One thing that I like about church is, is, is it's a place where when you are gathered, you come, you present your burdens before the Lord. Uh, when we were growing up, there was a song that we used to sing. It goes like this Cast your burdens unto Jesus, and he cares for you. So it's a place and an altar that when I put burdens on my shoulders, I cast them unto Jesus because he cares for me. Financial burdens, marital burdens, family burdens, whatever form of burden, let's cast unto Jesus because he cares for us. I know that uh, some people, they came with burdens, that Arsenal was beaten, some have got burdens, and they don't know what's going to happen today, but cast your burdens unto Jesus because he cares for you. Amen. With Jesus, you will never walk alone. Amen. But with the people, sometimes they disappoint you. So we all are in the same bus, you know, whatever you support. I know that we support different things. Those that support the book, they are in a happy mood. But those that are for cancer chiefs, you will die with BP, you die with stress. Because you are going to fire your coaches, you fire every player, but BP after BP. So you cast that burden unto Jesus for a case for you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, somebody shout kingdom leadership. Kingdom leadership. Let's uh, turn our Bibles to the book of Ephesians 4, subsection 11 to 13. Then um, Ephesians 2, uh, subsection 20. Psalm 78, subsection 70 to 72. Uh, can we do that? Are we there? Ephesians chapter 4, subsection 11 to 13. Can we do that? Are we there? Amen. If you are there, shout amen. Amen. If you are there, shout amen. Amen. Then on the same book of Ephesians, we want to peruse Ephesians 2, subsection uh, I'm going to read from here. Do you have your Bible? Amen. Lift it and say, this is my Bible. This is my Bible. God bless you. Ephesians 4, 11 to, to 13. 11 to 13. And the Bible reads, I want you to put a pin, kingdom leadership. Come on, somebody shout kingdom leadership. Kingdom leadership. The Bible reads, and his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us. We were given men. Some to be apostles, special messages, some prophets, which are inspired preachers and expounders of his gospel, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries, some pastors, which are the shepherds of his flock, and teaches his intention. So when he gave us this man, he gave an intention. That's God. His apostle Paul was painting a picture to us. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints. Come on, somebody shout the perfecting, the perfecting and the full equipping of the saints. Who are the saints? These saints are his consecrated people. What should they do? that they should do the work of ministry towards building up Christ's body, which is his church. And the church is known in here, Greek, as Ecclesia.
seer, a Christian, thinking that it might develop until we all attain oneness in the faith and in the comprehension of the full and accurate knowledge of the Son of God, that we might arrive at nature that is manhood, to the completeness of personality, which is nothing less than the standard height of Christ's own perfection. So there is a height of Christ's perfection that we are commanded and admonished to, to attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ and the completeness found in him. Then Ephesians 2, verse 20. Are we there? Ephesians 2, verse 20. The Bible reads, You are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Read with me. Come on, somebody shout. I am built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. Let's go to Psalm 78 from 70 to 72. The reason why I'm giving you these scriptures, they are going to help us to build up on the skeleton that I've presented to you, kingdom leadership. It's just a theme, but we want to build now on this skeleton and bring a proper conceptual framework of what it is to be in the kingdom of God and what is it when we're talking about the kingdom uh, leadership. We need to be leaders in God's kingdom. Uh, the book of Psalms 78, it's a powerful psalm that was written by David. The Bible reads, He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. He chose David, that's not Samuel, it's God who chose David. From tending the hours that had their young, he brought him to the shepherd of Jacob's people of Israel, his inheritance. So David was their shepherd with an upright heart. He guided them by the discernment and skillfulness which controlled his hands. Skillfulness, which controlled his hands. This is kingdom leadership. So God shows David so that David may lead God's people, which is Jacob, and his inheritance, which is Israel, so that when he leads them, he leads them unto the mind and the purposes that God had over their lives. So when you are dealing with uh, kingdom leadership, I will bring definitions. So uh, my Christian is not going to be too much motivational. It's going to be a sort of a lecture. So I'll bring empirical evidences based on the different writers and scholars that wrote on leadership. And one of the greatest uh, writers that wrote on leadership was Warren Bannis. And he formulated uh, a theory, and that theory was uh, in three. And that theory said that leaders, they are not just born, because we know that leaders are born. This is a myth that has been sold unto us, but we'll get into that as we continue. So number one, according to Jesus Christ, the most important priority and preoccupation of all mankind should be 
seeking and studying of his heavenly kingdom as according to Jesus Christ. Uh, so we need to seek, study, and explore God's kingdom. That's the mind of Jesus Christ. He wants us to seek, explore, and understand, expropriate the kingdom of heaven. So as we study the heavenly kingdom, we must study its government, number one. Number two, we must study its administration. Then we must study God's purposed plan and program to impact the earth. So our being here, we are here so that we may impact the earth. But in practical sense, how does one go about seeking this kingdom that uh, the Bible says, seeking first the kingdom of God is righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So how does one explore the concept? Number one, the nature, the function, the program, the components, the principles and the power of God's kingdom. Answering these questions, uh, we are going now to be looking at the message that I'm going to be presenting unto you. But to accomplish this uh, mandate that God has given unto us as kingdom leaders, not just kingdom people, but we are kingdom leaders, uh, we must, number one, understand the kingdom concept. What is this concept that we call the kingdom? Number two, we must understand the kingdom philosophy. What is this idea about this kingdom of God? Number three, we must understand the kingdom government. How does it operate? How does it govern? The Bible says unto us, a child is born, which means children are born, and a son is given, which means sons are given, and the Bible says uh, upon his shoulders, they shall be the government of God, and of its increase, there shall be no ending until it's established upon the throne of David. Talking about Jesus Christ. So when Jesus Christ is coming, he's coming as a baby, but the preoccupation and the mandate that God is sending him for is that he may establish a government here. And that government, it must ex be explored and it must go beyond the borders of any nation or any nationality. And that kingdom, again, for you to understand how it operates, you must understand the kingdom law. Come on, somebody shout kingdom law. Kingdom. So which means we have got laws in God's kingdom. There are different laws that we have in God's kingdom. And those laws, they go beyond overboard. The Bible says, love your neighbor, is love yourself. These are some of the laws that God has given unto humanity. Then the same kingdom has got a culture. So you must understand the kingdom culture. There is a way we talk as kingdom people. There is a way we behave. There is a way we dress. There's a way we act as kingdom people. So when they say there's a casting down, because I'm coming from a different kingdom, I talk differently, I will say they shall be lifting up. When they say there's conspiracy, I will say there is power and there is opportunity. When they say there's poverty, I will say there is prosperity because I'm coming from a different culture. When they say that I am poor, I say I am rich. The Bible says, let the poor say that I'm rich. That's a culture. Let the one who is weak say that I am strong. That's a kingdom culture. And when they treat you as if you are a third world person and treat you like a tail, you then declare that I am the head. 
that's a culture. Then uh, you have to understand again the kingdom society because we are a society as a kingdom. As we come to the house of God as ACI, we are a society in God's kingdom. Then you must understand the kingdom economy, how it operates. So which means the economy of God's kingdom, it operates differently from the economies of this world. The economies of this world, they vacillate, they fluctuate based on what uh, they are established on, which means if South Africa is an agro-economy, or Zimbabwe, or any uh, country, if it does not rain, it means there is a fluctuation of that economy. If that economy, like Botswana, is an economy of minerals like diamonds, if diamonds are not coming out, the economy, it fluctuates. That's why you find out that in the time that we are living, we are living under what we call global recession, global inflation, which means whatever is happening in South Africa, it's happening everywhere. That's global, global recession because we've become a global village. But there is another economy now that controls all economies. God said unto, unto, unto Moses that as you apportion and give inheritance to all the Israelites, don't give Levi any fiscal land because I shall be his possession. Which means if now Levi, being a priest, wants to buy, he does not go to the shops where these other people are going, he comes and buys from me. If he wants to purchase, he comes and purchase without money, I will provide for him. Which means if you are operating in God's kingdom, all other people are affected by the prices of checkers, prices of pick and pay, prices of shop right, prices of a boxer, you because you're coming from God's kingdom, that price hike is not going to affect you. Why? Because you're coming from God's kingdom. While people are crying that transport is uh, expensive and exorbitant, while people are crying that fear is exorbitant, because I am operating under a certain economy, which is the economy of God, I'm not going to be subjected under this economy. That's why people will ask you, how are you making it? How have you broken forth in this economy where other people are failing? Maybe they are eating one meal a day. You, you continue with three course meal. Why? Because they're coming from God's kingdom. Then you must understand now, again, the kingdom citizenship that we are ambassadors here. Even though we are here, but we don't belong here. The Bible says, as he is in heaven, so are we here. So that's our citizenship. You may go around breaking and say, I'm a South African, that's too little. I am of God. I belong to the kingdom of God. So if you are a South African, if you go to Botswana or to Lesotho, you find out that you don't have equal privileges and rights. If you go to Bahamas, you don't have equal privileges and rights. But if you say, I'm a child of God, every country that you step on, as God said unto Joshua, that whatever land and whatever place that you are going to step and that your foot is going to step, I give you. Why? Because you are coming from my kingdom. You are not controlled now by the borders. You now uh, uh, control the borders yourself because you are a child of God. So we become citizens of heaven. Amen. Demons will not have power to control our life. Then you must understand the kingdom provision, that there is a provision that is kingdom-like. God said unto Abraham that go to a place called Moriah, there you shall, shall see a, a, a mountain, and I want you to go to that mountain and give a sacrifice. And I want your child Isaac to be that sacrifice. The Bible says, when they reached Moriah as a land, 
They then saw a mountain that God had ordained and assigned him to go to. He then said unto his servants, Stand here as I and the Lord go yonder, so that we may worship the Lord. Why? Because he understood the God that he was dealing with, that is the God who provides. The Bible says when he was up, when he was about to sacrifice Isaac, a voice came from heaven, and God said unto Abraham, Stop what you're about to do. Look at your right, and he saw a ram that was uh, trapped in, uh, in tickets. The Bible says, God said, Go, take, then sacrifice him. That's kingdom provision. And God, as uh, the Bible says, there Abraham declared and said, This place shall be called Jireh, which means God has provided for me in this particular place. Uh, Abraham did not call God Jehovah Jireh. It's us now who calls him Jehovah Jireh. If you look at it with a microscopic understanding, you'll find out that Abraham called the mountain Jireh, which means if, upon this mountain, God has provided for me. When God met up with Gideon, the Bible says Gideon called that place of Abiathar, he called it Shalom. Then we then called God Shalom. So you must understand that our God is a God of providence. He is Jireh, glory to Jesus. Then you must understand the kingdom worship. Then you understand the kingdom protocol. Then you understand the kingdom presentation. How do you present yourself as a person that is coming from God's kingdom? So I will start by defining kingdom leadership as opposed to general leadership. The reason why we tackled Ephesians 4, 11 to 13 is because I want to show you one thing, that as we'll be dealing with kingdom leadership, what starts is apostolic leadership. Then we go to kingdom leadership. So the reason why God is giving us these people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, is that we may understand and they may draw us to a place of understanding that for me to operate in the kingdom of God with understanding and perception, there are people that God has raised so that they may show you the hierarchy of God's kingdom leadership. So when you see that hierarchy from an apostle to a teacher, that hierarchy was not set because of importance, but it was set through authority. So an apostle is not much important than a prophet, evangelist, pastor, and a teacher, but he has got much authority than the latter. A prophet is not more important than a pastor, evangelist, or teacher, but authority. So this is now a hierarchy based on authority, not based on importance. So if I'm an apostle, I don't have to go around breaking and say, I'm more important than a prophet or a pastor or a teacher. It's only authority in God's kingdom. So the reason why Apostle Paul now is coming and is saying that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, wrestle against principalities, powers, demonic uh, spirits, we wrestle against the spirits of darkness. The reason why he's saying that it's not only for us to have deliverance spiritually, physically, and emotionally, but it's because he wants us now to attain our kingdom leadership. Because if you cannot defeat principalities, if you cannot defeat powers that are fighting your life, you are not going to attain the position of being a leader in God's kingdom. So when demons are coming to fight you, they are not only fighting you to suppress you, they are fighting you so that they may move you from your place of being a leader in God's kingdom. So this is this another mind that you must have. 
that when we fight against devils, as Apostle Paul says that our weapons are not carnal, but are mighty pulling down of every stronghold and every mind that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. It's not only warfare, but he's showing us that if we cannot fight these demons, these spirits that are belligerent, we are not going to attain the position of leadership. It's another thing to know that I'm a leader in God's kingdom, but it's another thing, again, to appropriate that position as a kingdom. Glory to Jesus. That's why you find out that when you are dealing with the religion, religion postpones that we shall be leaders in God's kingdom. When you are dealing with religion, religion, it tells you that by and by, sweet and sweet, we shall rule with Jesus Christ. But kingdom concept now says that we are ruling with God. We are ruling with Jesus. So you can never appropriate that which you will postpone. If I postpone my kingdom leadership and I say I shall rule with Jesus Christ when he comes through the, 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 the clouds, it means I'm not going to appropriate. How do you appropriate that which you don't have? If I postpone my education and I say I'm going to educate myself in 2030, how do I appropriate the education? So you can only appropriate that which you have in your hands. So there is the kingdom leadership from Noah's perspective with his sons and their wives, eight of them, when they were in the ark. There is that kingdom leadership that God presented through Noah. There is then the kingdom leadership based on Genesis 1, section 26, where God said, the Bible says, and God created man in his own image after his likeness and he gave them dominion. That's kingdom leadership. So there is again kingdom leadership from Abraham's perspective. There is the kingdom leadership from OT perspective. Leadership here, we are going to be looking at leadership on Jesus Christ's perspective, how he wants us to, to, to lead as his children. So leadership here is given uh, to your apostolic disposition as a child of God. That's why the Bible in the book of Ephesians 2.20 says that now we are built upon what? The foundations of who? Apostles and prophets. Then Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, the stone that was rejected by the builders becomes now the chief cornerstone of the kingdom leadership. Then you will find out that uh, when you are dealing with kingdom leadership, the reason why God wants us to have that kingdom leadership is a consciousness that we should have. It's another thing to hear about what I'm talking about, but it's another thing to have knowledge on how to appropriate. I was reading somewhere, Zambia, a certain year around 2000, they discovered some, some mines, but they did not have the knowledge to extract the minerals that they discovered in their country. Then there was a Chinese company that was in Zambia, it went to the government of Zambia and said that give us the mountains, sell the, uh, the, the mines in fact unto us and the government of Zambia sold the mines for 25 million US dollars to the Chinese company. And the Chinese company said we don't have money now. After we've extracted and mined, we're going to pay back. Within three months, the Chinese company had made 75 million. Then they took the 25 million, they paid to the government of Zambia. Up to today, the government of Zambia, they pay for their minerals from the Chinese company because the lease was a 99 lease. 
Why? Because they had the minds, but they did not know how to extract the minerals. So you can have that mind that I belong to a kingdom, but you must go beyond that level. Then you know how to appropriate, how to operate in that kingdom, how to be effectual in that kingdom, how to be a leader in that kingdom. Okay, what is leadership? According to Peter Drucker, Peter Drucker said that a leader is someone who has followers, not Facebook followers, not Instagram followers, not TikTok followers. A leader is someone who has got followers that you cannot, you can control. They are followers that you can control and that can gather at a controlled environment. If at your workplace you have got a managerial position, you have got followers, you are a leader. If in your community, a community leader, there are people that when you call, they gather, you see them. So you become a leader. According to Warren Dennis, he says leadership is the capacity to translate vision into reality. When people have visions, but for the ability and the capacity, the propensity to translate that vision into reality, that's leadership. And he went on to say that the most dangerous myth is that leaders are born. There is a genetic factor to leadership which he says it's not true. Leaders are not only born, but leaders are made. Leaders are taught. So he then devised a theory that uh, he called seven leadership theory. And that theory had three components. The first component was called the trait theory. And the second component was called the contingent theory. And the last one was called the behavioral theory. So on trait theory, Warren Bunny said that Yes, leaders can be born. You can be born a leader. It does not refute, but it mustn't become a myth. Taking it from Jeremiah, God says unto Jeremiah that before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, I ordained you, I made you a prophet to my people and a king to the nations. So you can be born a leader. Then he said now, based on contingency theory, that leaders are trainable. You can be born and you don't know that you have a leader and you have a trace of leadership. You can be trained to become a better leader. Then he went on to say on behavioral theory, he was using the neoclassical theory, and he said that you may not know that you are a leader, but someone can discover the leader in you and, and, and produce and manifest the leader that is in you. Timothy, you don't know that you are a leader. But there is a leader that's keeping in you. So it takes Paul to come to Timothy and says unto Timothy that when I look unto you, Timothy, I see your great mother Eunice and your mother Eunice through their faith, they prayed for you already. I want to father you and to mentor you so that you become a protege. After that, you are going to become an apostle. So then, so uh, uh, Timothy was discovered by Paul. And that discovery produced and manifested a leader. So you find out now that you cannot go around and say that I cannot be a leader because I was not born a leader. Why? Because you can be trained to become a leader. You, someone can discover a leader in you. Gideon didn't know that there was already a leader in him. It took an angel, a Christophanic pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus Christ through an angel. And he came unto Gideon and said, Gideon, when I look at you, I know that 
You are coming from Manasseh, you are the least among the tribes. But within you, Gideon, there is a leader. I don't know if I'm telling somebody this place. Which means you need someone who sees beyond, someone who's not jealousy, who can see a leader in you, even at a certain age. Maybe you are 35, then you become that leader. That's why you find out the preacher last week, he says that uh, the person who uh, started KFC, started KFC at 60 years old. Why? Because he then discovered his leadership skills at that age, and nothing can stop you. If I, I don't know if I'm talking about in this place. Amen. So leaders are made rather than being born. So our preaching each and every time, we are making leaders. I want you to tap yourself and say, I'm a leader in the making. John Maxwell says leadership is influence. As long as you have got influence in a certain area, you are a leader. Any area of your life, if you have got influence, you are a leader. Dr. Mensa Otterview says leadership is the process of influencing others to realize beneficial aspirations. That's, that's what I was talking about. That you then influence others so that they may realize their beneficial aspirations. I may look at you, Sister Prim, and realize that you are a leader and God has called you to become a, 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 a global leader and you are in an area of development where you develop other women, then I then say the prophesy in your life that you are a leader and you have been called to make other people realize their beneficial aspirations. From there you start to work towards those lines. When you start to work towards those lines, you realize that you are making it in life. Then there is Archimedes' principle that was uh, formulated by Archimedes. It says that uh, a, a leader principle is the law uh, of physics, which is fundamental to fluid mechanics. What uh, Archimedes was trying to say generally was that when you are dealing with the physics and the mathematics, if you give me a lever and a place to stand, I can move the world. He says, what I just need is someone that can put me at a certain position, then I move the world. That's why you find out God is coming unto Zerubbabel. And he said unto Zerubbabel, there is a mountain before you, Zerubbabel, but this mountain shall be moved in, not by mighty nor by power, but by my spirit. So what God is doing unto Zerubbabel is giving Zerubbabel a lever and a standpoint so that Zerubbabel may break forth. So what Archimedes was trying to say is that there are anchor principles in terms of leadership so the most significant of that is the quality. In every principle, the quality is what you must, not the quantity, you must pick. Which means among 50 people, you must pick person with quality, not quantity, and that person with quality becomes the anchor to lead a group. I don't know if I'm talking somewhere in this place. Okay, a very good example, you find out with water, water is known as H2H. Uh, to all. The anchor principle of water is oxygen, but you need hydrogen. So you thought there must be hydrogen, but the anchor principle of water is oxygen, which becomes the leader within water. So even at your workplace, there must be an anchor principle that makes you to be a leader. You must be a person of quality. Come on, somebody shout, I'm a person of quality. So when the Bible talks about the company of the prophecy, if there is a company of something, there's always a leader of something. The Bible speaks of company of prophecy, which means in that company of prophecy, if Elijah is in that dispensation, Elijah becomes the leader. 
if Elisha is in that dispensation, Elisha becomes the leader. So all principles of life, I want you to put this down, all principles of life are built and established on leading life principles. They are leading fundamental life principles that you must observe for you to be established in life. So if you see someone who is successful in life, they are leading life principles that they are using for them to be successful. Some are spiritual life principles, some are fundamental life principles, some are business principles, but there is a principle that they followed for them to be where they are. If you see a person of honor, of influence, they are leading life principles that they are using for them to be where they are. They may be spiritual principles, but they are principles that you must lead, you must take, and that must make you to become the leader that you want. In any faculty of life, in any faculty of life, be it business, be it family, be it friendship, society, community, you must have life fundamental principles. They are fundamental principles of life. Even when I'm coming to Christ, they are fundamental principles that you must be exposed to. Apostle Paul says that, can we continue to uh, continue with the doctrine of laying of hands unto people? Can we continue to do baptism? These are fundamental principles, which means if a person is coming to Christ, we don't need to preach to them about kingdom money, kingdom wealth transfer. What we need to teach them is baptism, salvation. We need to teach them things like uh, being fueled by the Holy Spirit. These are principles of being a child of God. We don't teach you Archimedes principles, we teach you the nature of Christ. These are life principles. So when you use the life principles in life, you are going to be successful. Come on, somebody shout, I'll be successful. So these leading principles have been designed to make you successful in your destiny. If you don't have leadership principles, chances are so much excellent that you will always be a follower in your life. So you must, after this service, start to look around where are you good? Which life principles are you supposed to employ so that you may not die a follower? I made a covenant with myself that I ain't gonna die a follower. I have to be a leader in some way. I don't have a promise about this place. Every time you see yourself fighting and confronting antagonism, be it at the workplace, in your life, in any area of your life, Note that there is a principle that wants to manifest. So instead of fighting people at the workplace, look for that principle. You may be working at a certain company for the past two years, three years. Then you start to see people being belligerent to you, antagonistic to, to you, opposing your life. Don't look at the people that are opposing you. There is a principle that wants to manifest of a leader. Look for that principle and develop that principle. I don't know if I'm talking about this place. The Bible says, since the days of John the Baptist, the heavens suffered affliction, and only those that are violent took it by force. Which means when John was being fought, he was fought because there was a principle of leadership that wanted to manifest. That's why there was antagonism. There was a manifestation of God's kingdom that was supposed to come through John. That's why he was being fought. There was a manifestation of Jesus Christ's ministry during the time of John. That's why John was fought. So whenever you are, you see yourself being fought, even in the church, know that there is a principle that wants to manifest, and that principle will make you a leader. I don't know 
if I'm talking to somebody in this place, so in the kingdom leadership, on the top of a hierarchy on that kingdom, I said the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors. So there is a hierarchy in the kingdom leadership that an apostle is on top of the hierarchy, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, and a teacher. This is a hierarchy of authority. Then now, all these gifts combined together, they empower something. What they empower? When we combine these five ministerial gifts, they empower elders, they empower deacons, they empower helps. Which means when we elevate elders and deacons to work in the body of Christ, elders and deacons, their responsibilities that they must help. But there is a ministry that is a standalone ministry that is called a ministry of helps. If you see yourself wanting to help people so much, know that it's a ministry. You may not be a deacon, you may not be an elder in the church, but you find yourself wanting to help in any area, it's a ministry of helps. That ministry of helps now is empowered by the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelical, the personal, and the teaching ministry and gift. For one to be an elder, you don't need to have gray hair to be an elder. An elder is someone who has aligned himself through the kingdom principles to work for God. The moment I align myself and I say I want to work for God, you become an elder. It's just a word and a terminology that is being used. So, then from the helps, there is the ministry of government, where people within the house of God, they create boards. They create communities within the house of God. Then it becomes a government empowered by the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Then there is the ministry of hospitality. The Bible says that the elders and deacons should be hospital. So when we talk of hospitality, it's a ministry. That's why I was telling you that if you have got time, call Sister Orientha to find out what's transparent because we must be hospital. So when you are hospital, it means there is a principle that wants to manifest. God wants to make you a help. When you see yourself asking someone, how are you going to go home? Do you have money to go home? You feel like helping. It's a ministry that God has embedded in your life. So looking at the church of Jesus Christ as a demographic, the church of Jesus Christ is built upon core principles. Come and somebody shout core principles. I don't hear you. Core principles. times, I don't hear you. So the church of Jesus Christ is built upon core principles and the core principles on the church of Jesus Christ I'm going to show you. Number two, the church of Jesus Christ again is built on essential principles. And number three, the church of Jesus Christ is built on optional principles. So when the Bible says, that shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your might, that's a core principle. And the Bible continues to say that love your neighbor as you love yourself. These are essential principles you can't do without. So this is the church of Jesus Christ. According to this dispensation, he's saying, love me with all your heart. It's a core principle. Then love your neighbors as you love yourself, which becomes an essential principle. And you don't have to love your neighbor because your neighbor loves you, but love them because it's a principle. I don't know if I'm talking to a secretary today. So leading core principles are generally in the invisible realm. So according to the Church of Jesus Christ, the core principles are those things that God was dealing with through the apostles, spiritually speaking, things that God was dealing with throughout dispensations. 
So we look at the dispensation of Adam, dispensation of Noah, dispensation of Abraham, dispensation of Samuel, dispensation of the prophets, dispensation of the priests, up to Malachi. So these are the core principles that God was dealing with, which are invisible things that are within the realm of the spirit. These are the core principles of Jesus Christ. And then you find out that now in our dispensation, there are essential principles that Christ wants us to follow. And in our dispensation, our dispensation is called the dispensation of what? Grace. Come on, somebody shout grace. And grace started from the day of Pentecost and it will continue until Jesus Christ comes. So there is always now a dispensation in a dispensation. We are in a dispensation of God's kingdom. But within that dispensation, there is another dispensation called the grace dispensation. So a grace is just a dispensation of a particular people like us who are supposed to lead with essential principles. Am I talking somebody in this place? I don't know if I'm talking somebody in this place. So within now a dispensation, you find out that there are seasons and times that are found in a dispensation. So you must be sensitive to know the season and the times that you are operating in within that dispensation. And within a dispensation, there is geography. I don't know if I'm talking about this place. That's why you find out in the time of Jesus Christ, it was a dispensation of, of, of Christ. It, it was, it's called a Christocentric dispensation. So this Christocentric dispensation is when Jesus Christ was born. Jesus Christ grew up until he became a man of stature, from being a boy to a man. But within that dispensation, you find out that there were seasons and times that Jesus Christ was supposed to observe. The seasons and times, they were predicated on Herod and the people that were around and within the vicinity of Jesus Christ. So you find out that Jesus Christ is born where? In Bethlehem, Judah. But he grew up in Nazareth. It was so needful for Christ to be born in Bethlehem, Judah. Why? Because Bethlehem, Judah, it was a place of bread, known as the house of bread. It was a season and a time of bread. Then after the season and the time of bread is passed, Jesus Christ was supposed to be moved to Nazareth. Why Nazareth? You find, if you read, you're a Bible scholar like me, you find out that Nazareth, it was the headquarters of wood and timber. So the father, who is the foster father to Jesus Christ is Joseph. He's a man of timber and he's a carpenter. So if he had grown in Bethlehem, Judah, in Bethlehem, Judah, there's no timber. In Bethlehem, Judah, there's no carpentry. There is only bread because it's the house of bread. So they had to move by the reason of the Spirit to Nazareth. And the Bible says prophetically, as the prophets were prophesying, that Jesus was going to be called a Nazarene. So the reason why he's moving to Nazareth is because the prophecy should be fulfilled as a leader. So geography is very important in every dispensation. So if Jesus Christ had missed the geography of his manifestation, he was not going to become the leader in which God wanted him to become a leader. If he had no discernment to know that, yet though I'm born in Bethlehem, Judah, I must move through the intelligence of the Spirit to Nazareth so that I, I grow up there, then people call him now the son of a carpenter. So for the names, the son of a carpenter, to attach to Jesus Christ, Nazareth was supposed to be there. I don't know if I'm talking about this place. So geography is very important in life. If you want to be a proper leader, you are at this particular place, 
at this particular time for a lesson. Geography is very important for you to become a leader. Look at the place where you're operating. If I expanding and expressing enough influence in that particular place, as God would want me to expand that influence and express that influence. So in this position, we are in November, the year 2023, November is a season and it's a time. But geography is very important. You must know places to go for you to meet with a blessing and with a power. That's why sometimes the moment you go there, you are going to meet with your business connector without even knowing that you are going to meet with a business connector. Why? Because geographically, you are at the right place at the right time. There are places where you are supposed to select by the reason of the spirit that I'm not going to go. Yet though I can enjoy, but I'm not going to go. But by the help of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit must navigate. The Bible says the paths of the righteous, they are ordered by God. The paths of the righteous here in Pretoria must be ordered by God. So geography now determines, number one, couches. Geography determines customs. Come on, let's have a shout culture. Culture. Uh, shout customs. So the culture and custom of Jesus Christ must now be seen as Christians. We have our own cultures and customs, but the culture of Jesus Christ it must be seen more than any other culture. The Bible speaks of Peter that after Jesus Christ was captured, Peter, he ran away. Then he went to a fire to warm his friends. While he was doing that, geographically, Peter is coming from Galilee and he spent a lot of time with Jesus Christ geographically. The Bible says while he was just speaking, a certain lady says unto Peter that you were with Jesus Christ. And Peter says that I have never known Jesus Christ. And the lady said your accent he sold you. Why? Because your culture and your custom is now Jesus Christ's custom, culture and customer. Your accent has sold you. So when the devil comes to attack you, your culture and your custom must sell you to the devil and the devil must check out from your life. So lastly, in terms of core principles, what we need to gather in terms of core principles is academic and enlightenment. Come on, some short academic and enlightenment. I know that most of us, we are lazy, we are slothful when it comes to academics, but not in this dispensation. We are in a dispensation of AI, and we must make sure that we fight with boldness to get to a place of kingdom leadership. Because right now, people are being, are, 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 are being replaced by robots, and then you only have to make just imagine a person with masters and a doctorate is being replaced by a robot. Then you continue with your metric. But the kingdom core principle of God is that you must be erudite in terms of education. Educate yourself. Why am I educating? I'm educating myself against ignorance. The Bible requires us to be enlightened. If you are ignorant, the devil is going to play with you and you are not going to attain to the place of kingdom leadership. So you need to be academically erudite. The Bible speaks of the Ethiopian eunuchal. The Bible says that the man was erudite, the man was educated, the man had knowledge, and he was busy reading and perusing scriptures. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord went unto Philip and says unto Philip, 
There is a man that is trying to read my, my scriptures, but he's not understanding scriptures. I want you to go and read enlightenment. So that's why I said academic enlightenment. So you can read your word, but lack enlightenment. The Bible says when Philip arrived, he said after the eunuch, the Ethiopian, who was working for Queen Candice of Ethiopia, and he said after the man, are you understanding that which you are reading? And the man says, I don't understand what I am reading. Then Philip started now to, to make him to understand scriptures. The moment Philip explained scriptures to the man, the man got a place of enlightenment. So I want you, as a child of God, to rise up and start now to take the core principles of God, knowing that I am a leader in God's kingdom, number one, then I must be enlightened academically I must be enlightened, not only with the scriptures, but I must educate myself against ignorance. The Bible says that my people are perishing because of lack of knowledge. It's another thing to know something, but it's another thing for you to have the power to apply. Application is more important than knowledge only. So how do we apply our position in this kingdom? Then now, Matthew is coming 633, that seek ye first the kingdom of God, and it's for righteousness, and all these things will be added upon you. I'm here to prophesy to somebody that you come now to understand your place and your position in the Lord. The Bible says that you are a peculiar nation, a real priesthood, and a chosen people. That's according to Peter. Why? Because we belong to a certain kingdom. I don't want you to die a follower. But you must rise up from that place and say to yourself, I'm not just going to sit down, allow myself to go to hell without actualizing my potential. I'm rising up as a child of God and take my position. And God has called you to be a leader in places of worship. Take up your position as a child of God. If God has called you to be a leader in the end of preaching his gospel, Rise up and take up your position as a child of God. If God has raised you and made you to be a leader in business, it's your time and your season to rise up. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in this place. So when I seek the kingdom of God, why do I seek the kingdom of God? By exploring the kingdom of God. How do I seek the kingdom of God? by trying to find, find the nature of that kingdom that I belong to. The Bible says we are ambassadors in God's kingdom. How do I see God's kingdom? By looking for its functionalities. How does it function? If I belong to God's kingdom, how do I function? The Bible says in the book of Psalms 114 that when Israel went out of Egypt from a people of a different language, Judah, was their sanctuary, and Jacob was their dominion. Red Sea saw them and fled away. Jordan turned its black mountains. They skimmed like rain. Small hills, they lived like lambs. And the Bible says, what else you, all you Red Sea, that you turned your back, and Jordan, that you fled away. You mountains, that you skimmed like rains. And the Bible says, tremble, all you at the approach of God. When you attain that kingdom principle and become a leader, the earth will tremble when you approach. 
demons are going to tremble when you approach. Situations are not going to pull you down, but God will give you power to pull those things down. That's why Romans 12 verse 1 says that, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before the Lord. Why? Because this is a reason for service as a kingdom leader. Do not be conformed to the standards of this world and be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Why? Because you are coming from a different world. We are aliens in this earth. You know you are in Pretoria, you are in Johannesburg and South Africa. You don't belong to South Africa, you belong somewhere. That's why the Bible in the book of Hebrews says that I saw when I was looking, I saw a cloud of witnesses that was in heavenly places. So there are witnesses that are witnessing your position. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in this place. How do I see the kingdom of God? Is to understand the program of God in a certain dispensation. What is God doing in my dispensation? What is God's program in my dispensation? If God is moving, I move with God. If God is blessing, I bless with God. That's why God said unto Abraham, I want you to lead your people, lead your countries, lead your nation, and go to a place that I will show you. Can I prophesy like a spirit? And Abraham, that time, did not receive the voice of God. Born in a family that is full of Satanism, full of spiritism, the family through of witchcraft and divination. But God said unto Abraham, I want to make you a kingdom leader. Leave that place and go to a place that I'm going to show you. The Bible says, Abraham woke up and said unto Sarah, There is a God that visited me. He said, We must go. Sarah didn't know this God and Sarah says, What kind of God who has visited you? The Bible says, When Abraham left full of the houses of the Mesopotamians, he went and passed through the place of Mamre. The Bible says after that his father died. But he could not be really because he knew that there is a place where God wants to bless me. God says unto Abraham, the moment you are going to get the blessing, I'm gonna make you the vision that's going to become the kingdom leader. The Bible says he passed through the ox of More. Any ox of More, he tried to teach his but the place was dry and arid. He continued and he went on and he passed through another place called Haran. And Haran, he tried to preach the tent, but God said unto Abraham, That's not the place in which I ordained for you. Until you go to a place that was between Mamre and Ai. The Bible says Abraham, when he arrived in that particular place, he erected an altar. And after erecting an altar, he called that altar and blessed God on that particular altar. And said, My children, as they are going to come, they shall be blessed through that altar. And God came back after 15 years in the life of Abraham and said unto Abraham, Oh Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Whoever is going to bless you, I shall bless. And whoever is going to kiss you, I shall kiss. Can I prophesy to somebody in this place that you are a king 
kingdom later, no one is going to kiss you, no one is allowed to judge your life. Demons allow penitence to affect you. Why? Because you're a child of God, you belong to a better kingdom. Why are you on your mountain before the church in Pretoria itself? You should be able to flat, not by mighty, not by power, but by God's spirit. There are mountains in your life, financial mountains, relationship mountains, marital mountains. But God this morning is telling you that every mountain should be level to flat, not by mighty, when we go to spirit here, am I talking to somebody in this place? The Bible says God went unto Jeremiah. It says unto Jeremiah. There is a leader in you. I know that as you are walking, you think that you are in your identity. You think that you are in your but I have called you to become a leader. Your life may be taking a downward slider, a trajectory. But I'm here to tell you that no that is going to prosper in this season. Why? Because God is going to aid you and his own society. No demon is going to be allowed to come in your church. Why? Because you belong unto God. I belong to a kingdom that is with a better concept. We are being taught of different concepts by political parties. Concept of business is a concept that comes from God. That's why the We can say it after Saul and look for the donkeys. But Kish didn't know that it was a kingdom concept. Yeah? This is why God allowed the donkeys to be lost. Yeah? God was looking for a kingdom leader in the name of Saul. The Bible says when Saul reached a certain place, he said, After servant, we can't find the donkeys. And the servant said, After Saul, I know of a prophet who is an apostle in this city. Let's go and look for the donkeys to that prophet. When they went unto Samuel, Samuel said, Unto Saul, I know that you are looking for the donkeys, but the donkeys were found. God has been looking for you all these years. So sometimes, as a child of God, you are saying, Unto God, I've lost friends, I've lost family, I've lost interest in what I do, I've lost academics, I've lost money. But God said that loss was not meant to kill you. It was meant for you so that you became a goddess king. Can I prophesy like a fish? The unmeasured things that are going to happen in your life. Not because God hates you, but He's looking for you. That's why the Bible says there was a king and a general of Naman had leprosy, and no man could heal Naman in Syria until a certain young lady, a council saying, Unto Naman, and I kill you. If you just know that in my city there is a seer and a prophet, and the Bible says Naman went unto Elijah and he got his healing. So God did not want to kill Naman, but he was looking for Naman. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in this blessing. Child of God, you must have that consciousness that I don't belong here. I may be here, but I'm just passing this ephemeral. My life is permanent. That's why the Bible says that in the beginning.
the Lord and the Lord was God. You must see the beginning when God and the thing was made, which was made except by his origin, which means his word is the one that is carrying your life. What is this core principle that we need in our life is the word of God. Come on, somebody shout, I need the word of God. The Bible tells me that nothing which you see that is therefore which was made, but everything was made by God's word. And they say that the word of God is set in heavenly places. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody in this place. Yes, they've said the morning to a gentleman's and great life. They say that you ain't gonna make it, but I'm yet to tell the devil that whether you like it or not, we are going to make it. Whatever Titanic demonic limitation against your life, you are a king and you belong to the kingdom of God. Can I prophesy like I said? I know that when you look at yourself, you look at yourself with the eyes of peace. Don't beat yourself. Why? Because you carry something and someone who is great. That's why the Bible says greater is you that is in you than the world. We have got this ethical treasure, treasure in our ethical vessel. And that treasure is the Holy Spirit. Can I prophesy like a village? That's why Paul said unto his disciples that if I go, I ain't gonna leave you as orphans. But I'm going to leave you with Eros Barakatos, the one of the same kind, which is the Holy Spirit. You are not going to suffer because he's going to be your anchor and your core. No, we don't fall against me in this month of November that is going to prosper. No, we don't fall against your family that is going to prosper. That's why it says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want it. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside the two waters. He leads me in parts of righteousness for his name is sake. Yet though I walk through the valley of shadow, I fear no evil for thy Anything 
position, take a position. I don't think I'm crossing the counter. Not a Talawa song, the counter, I am of a different world. I am from a different world. The world of God. The world of possibilities. Say, I decree and I declare. As I prophesy right now. Oh Lord, my God. Thank you for conscientizing me. That I am not a ordinary person. But I am a leader. I prophesy. In whatever area of influence that you assign me, I shall be a leader. In my family, I am a leader. My children at school, they shall be leaders. Say, I am the great idea. As I prophesy, let your will be done in my life. My as it is in heaven, let your kingdom come in my family. I decree and I declare right now as I pray, I prophesy. My culture is a kingdom culture, my economy is a kingdom economy, my government is a kingdom government. My priorities they are based on the kingdom which I come from. Say, I decree and I declare. My laws they are kingdom laws. My philosophy is a kingdom philosophy. My ideas they are kingdom ideas. My citizenship is a kingdom citizenry. My worship in the kingdom worship. My representation, I represent the kingdom. My protocol is the kingdom protocol. Say, I decree and I declare. Let's I prophesy right now. As you are in heaven, oh Jesus, so am I here. Put your hands together and claim your position. You get to better. Shed Hombra, Calipro Seto Pomariato, Cali Hombra Atanamariato, the secret to fulfill your mindsets and your calling is to discover, understand, expropriate, and explore the kingdom of God. Whatever was a prayer, Shed Hombra Ato, Shed Hombra Atanamariato, Cayato Tonamariato, Shemato Pomarosa. Yet, the 
We want you to pray over our priorities in life. Uh, the greatest secret to living effectively on earth is understanding the principle and power of priorities. If you don't have priorities in life, anything that comes to you becomes a priority. That's the tragedy of not having a priority. If you don't prioritize your tomorrow Monday, if I come into life, I become that priority. If there is anything that is happening, a parade that is happening of the, of, of the traffic by the ball, it becomes a priority. You glue yourself on the TV because you don't have priorities. So it's very important to have priorities in life. Prioritize your life. As you start Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you have a priority so that whatever and whatever comes through, you are going to help them. So that they will understand and they will be crafted and drafted within your priorities. Number two, prayer that you want to make. Uh, the greatest tragedy in life is not death. The greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without a purpose, life with the wrong priorities. So, which means wrong priorities can replace purpose. So, you think that you are in a purpose by having wrong priorities. You wake up on Monday, everybody is busy selling shoes, the aramas. Then you start to become a runner, a runner, a runner. It's a wrong priority, but you think that you're in your purpose. So the greatest tragedy is not death. We want to pray that God may order our steps so that when we sit down and meditate upon the priorities of life, we make right priorities. Then again, we have priorities. Number one, have a priority so that you are not swerved from your own priorities by other people because by not having a priority whatever comes or whatever you hear becomes that priority if there is something that is happening on instagram it becomes a priority two hours you are glued on instagram because that's a priority if there is a basic conference that is happening for a week you are glued watching uh to putin watching different presidents from different countries end of the day that has never been a priority Number two, we are want to pray that we are not born to die. We are born to fulfill purposes. We are born to fulfill purposes. Am I not in this case? No, it's very important to be a leader in life. Do you know Africa, before it was called Africa, it was called Africa, it was called Ethiopia. Persian faces, black faces. Why Africa became Africa, I just give you a little bit of history to show you the power of becoming a, a, a leader. There was a general from Italy called uh, Africanos. He came this site, which was called Ethiopia. Then he said, if I conquer this site, it will be named after my name. Then he fought with his army, he conquered the whole of Ethiopia. Then he called it Africa, which comes from Italian word Africanos. So we are so Africa, Africa. Africa is the dead man called General Africanus. That's knowledge. But because he was a leader who understood priorities and purpose, he took over the whole continent. We are Ethiopia. 
When God is looking at Africa and seeing Ethiopia, Ethiopia was not supposed to be a nation. It was supposed to be the whole country. I want to make facts. I want to promise all my life. So that when you pray sometimes, pray for Africa. Pray for Ethiopia in faith. That's what the Bible says. And Ethiopia shall stretch forth the hands unto God. So if you are elite and of leadership instincts, where you go, you conquer into them. I want you to go out on Monday, conquer places and name them. Conquer places and name them. Anyway, place, conquer that place, name it. In academics, conquer that place and name it. When people look at you like mercy, whenever you say soccer, the definition that comes out is mercy. Everyone knows infinity. There are things that or people that have managed to conquer areas that when we talk about those areas, we point them. When you are saying dictatorship, even though it was only negative, you start to think of Muhammad Adi, Saddam Hussein, it, uh, the different people, why was they focus these areas? Live with priorities. Say, so I declare, I declare. I declare, I declare. From today on, I will live with priorities. My first priority, My first priority is, God. is God. My second priority, My second priority is the purpose that was invaded upon me by God. Say, so I declare, I declare. Oh Lord, my God, you did not create me to come and die, but you created me to fulfill a purpose. So I declare, I declare, right now as I pray, any wrong priority that I make a purpose, I cancel a bridge, I cancel a bridge, I cancel a bridge. Put your hands together and pray for right priorities. Shanda Kolakos. Pray for right priorities. Kali Prosta. Michelle Tonamaso. Michelle Potala Mabri Ante. Zobrech. Kokrehata Tigini Hasso. Mabababashita Mabri Ante. Zubrahasho. Come on, pray somebody. Presto Kamprahesta Katala Mabri Ante. Kayata Talabahasso. You may be a preacher right now. Let's go. Let's go to to be a businesswoman, wrong priority is the place your people see. You may be working right now with God has called you to be an apostle. Wrong priorities is the place your people see. I refuse God forbid, God forbid, God forbid, God forbid, God forbid, God forbid, God forbid. I prophesy, God forbid. Whatever you are going to do, it should be within your purpose. It should align and it will align with your purpose. In the name of Jesus Christ, 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 even in our relationships. There are wrong priorities that we have replaced the right purpose. I promise you, the name of Jesus Christ, let God align you to your purpose. Let God align you to your purpose. The mighty name of Jesus Christ, let that work where you are. I promise you, you may be paid well and think that that's a purpose. Yet it's a wrong priority that has replaced a good purpose. I promise you, God is bringing you to a place of purpose. In the name of Jesus Christ, you will live a purpose driven life. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We honor you with this afternoon. Thank you for your words. 
We need a sanctuary in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for making us kingdom people, kingdom minded people in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for it. The word says, Oh God, that your word is set in the heavens. I decree that you claim the promise land of and over every soul represented upon this place. I pray say the blessing of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, the blessing of God. I pray and I prophesy that Holy Spirit, that leadership is in shall manifest in the name of Jesus Christ. And may not be born a leader, but I prophesy your world is making me a leader, a perfect leader in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm being aligned to my destiny and my purpose because I'm a leader. I promise the core principles of Jesus Christ, let them manifest in my life. In the name of Jesus Christ, the essential principles of Jesus Christ, let them take precedence in my life. The, 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 the optional principles of Jesus Christ, I speak them over my life. The mighty name of Jesus Christ, right now, as he stands in your I promise my power. In the name of Jesus Christ, I promise my divine priorities over your people right now. I promise my mighty priorities. I love your people to your destiny. In the name of Jesus Christ, right now as I pray, we are not going to operate as mediocres. I prophesy a spirit and a spirit of excellence, wisdom, and knowledge. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, as we start this new week, I prophesy of God your power, your grace, and your glory. Kabota, Shatuko Balota, Meltekipadu, Shatuko Balota. I decree, I declare that I was not born to just have a family. In the name of Jesus Christ, I decree and I declare, oh God, let it not be a stretch your hands unto you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, every spirit subjecting our life, I subject it by the power of the Holy Ghost. I pray for our kids that are going to set the right examiners tomorrow. I prophesy, give them a mind that mind that was upon Jesus Christ. Your word says before Jesus Christ, go up in wisdom, in stature, with favor, both with men and God. I prophesy divine minds, divine wisdom, divine knowledge in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever they studied and whatever they were taught, let the Holy Spirit bring those things into remembrance. Whatever demonic cloud that we try to cloud them while writing their exams, I uncover that cloud right now in the name of Jesus Christ. They will not. Take number two, number three. I prophesy they shall be number ones. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I decree and I decree, oh God, let your power rest upon us. Those that are sick this afternoon, I prophesy healing. Those that are heavily pagans, I lift up pagans right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, those that are yoked, I break yokes. I break yokes. In the name of Jesus Christ, those that are looking for answers and solutions, let solutions and answers come to their lives. I prophesy, pray after me. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of our Father God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Ghost abide upon us. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow my life, shall follow my family, shall follow my destiny, shall follow my business, shall follow my church all the days of my life. Say, I decree, I declare. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for empowering me through your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for elevating me. 
So I want you to go meditate upon this word. There is a book that is called Purpose Driven Life, written by Rick Warren. I want you, if you have money, time, download it, read that book, it will shape your life. That book has been used by business people, preachers of the world, politicians, captains of industry, people of influence. It's one of the most powerful books. I, I, I thought of recommending that book to you. Purpose-driven life. It will teach you the tenets, the principles on how to live a purpose-driven life. Your life, you will drive it through purpose. As God drives the skill of progress, you will drive whatever you do within the premises of purpose in Jesus' mind and mind. It's a powerful book. Look for it, download it, buy it, invest in that book. In Jesus' mind and mind. If you are not a leader, you cannot become a leader. I was preaching about leadership. But if you are not a leader, you will never become a leader. Read to lead. Don't lead to read. Read to lead. Jesus mind and then God bless you. Grace family. God bless.